In our next podcast, also recorded on May 20th, we have Marina and Stephanie, and they're going to tell us a little bit about how they're finding wellness during a pandemic and some of the struggles that they've also had and some of the opportunities that they see moving forward while they look for their silver lining. So I hope you enjoy the conversation with Marina and Stephanie. Maybe we'll start with you, Stephanie. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, what program you're in, and you know what have you been doing since the end of the semester? Okay, so my name is Stephanie. I'm a third-year biomedical student at Ryerson. And pretty much since COVID, it's been spurts of me doing absolutely nothing and then like a couple days of like insane productivity and I, I'm honestly okay with that because I feel like at the end of the day, it does like balance out. So what I usually try to do is keep like a weekly schedule rather than a daily schedule in case I am having like a lazy day where I'm unmotivated or it's really nice outside and I want to sit in my backyard. I'm taking a couple of summer school courses. I just figured I'm not really going to be working and at least having a little bit of structure, some deadlines coming up you know, gives you a little bit of a, a purpose and a direction. So I've been doing a few courses, obviously doing this and like the research study. Other than that, I've been taking advantage of spending time with my family mostly. So my mom is a dental hygienist. And so she's not working at all because uh, dentists are open for emergencies. But in that scenario, it's only dentists and assistants, the hygienist just do the cleaning. So this is the first time she's really ever home. And my sister's just graduated and my mom works full time and I'm also in university full time. So usually we don't have a lot of time to see each other. I'll leave the house at 7 a.m. You know, sometimes my sister won't get back till 11 p.m. So there's not really a lot of time to spend together. So I think we really do enjoy spending our evenings together and cooking together, doing that kind of stuff. So I think that's been a big focus of mine since the end of the semester. And you would, and would you say you always had a real positive experience with your family? Like, were you always, although you weren't always physically close because you were always at different times, everyone was busy, but you, you, you're a pretty tight knit group. I think generally, like I, I do live in a house of, of all women. So sometimes it does get a little tense, but I think because of that also, we are really close. We have a lot of things in common. We have pretty much like all the same interests so and my sisters are they're twins they're only two years older than me so we're really close in age so I, I'd say we were always pretty close but now it's nice to kind of develop those relationships a little bit further what would that have been like because because I was just thinking you know they have the middle child but now you have a twin set of sisters that are like I don't know one could be the good cop one could be the bad cop at any given time and you are the baby of the family right if I'm understanding that dynamic yeah did, did they like pick on you or was it a pretty pretty good experience so I think I had some leverage because I was the baby because it was always like oh my gosh the baby like they'd play with me literally like I was a doll if I was like two and they were four they'd put me in like the strollers for their doll they would like try and feed me in every home video that we have there's always like help the baby, help the baby. You have to help the baby do that because I would try and do things that were, you know, for older children. Um, sometimes we did gang up because there's three of us. It was always two on one. It wasn't always the twins on me. Sometimes it was me and a twin against the other. I would say that we're pretty even in that dynamic. Very cool. Very cool. Marina, first, I guess, introduce yourself and then tell us about what you've been doing since the semester ended. 
Yeah, so my name is Marina Music, and I'm also going into third year of biomedical sciences at Ryerson. Since the semester has ended, it was a huge relief to be frank with you because keeping up with those classes in this kind of environment was getting very difficult. So I've been deci I've decided to sort of take May off in terms of studying because I will be studying for the rest of the summer for the MCATs. I mean, it's questionable whether they'll even hold them in September. I don't know about that yet, but that's something I wanted to do this summer. But I decided to take time off to sort of exercise, get back into exercising, help out my family. And I'm doing a journaling activity with some of my close friends online, which has been very enjoyable as well. Like we do movie nights together on Netflix party which has also been very fun. And we're running a D&D &D campaign online as well. So there's been a lot of like online spending time with other people as well as walking my dog, that kind of thing. And, and I so, have, yeah, sorry. No, I was gonna ask, uh, so just exercise. What, what's your favorite thing? Like what do you do to relieve stress or, or get that activity? Yeah, so I used to play sports. Well, I still do usually play baseball in the summers, but considering I have to do it at home now and there's no like gym or anything like that, my friends and I discovered something that I was too shy to try in the past. And it's like a form of Zumba, but it's like high intense inter intensity interval training Zumba, which is really fun. And we sort of just join these Instagram live videos and do it together over FaceTime. Very cool. And journaling, what this journaling idea sounds intriguing. So what, what sparked that and what does a journaling entail? So I have a friend who is very into event planning. So I guess she's channeling her creativity elsewhere nowadays by getting her friends involved with different activities like Zumba. And she is she follows a YouTuber who made 30 days of prompts and we set up an online it's like a project management website called Taskade, and we use that to sort of comment on each other's journal entries. So there's a prompt every day, and you sort of write about it, and then we put a little summary of what we reflected on in the journaling space on Taskade. Cool. And so are these, you, every, you said Netflix party and the D&D &D campaign as well. And I, I'm assuming D&D &D is Dungeons and Dragons, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So are these all the same group of people that are always involved in those three activities? So I have like a sort of a friend group from high school and we, we have enough people in it that if someone's not interested in a certain activity like D&D &D or Zumba, then we sort of like switch out people. So yeah, it's, it's, it, there's some overlap, but it's like there are, it's a sort of friend group of people. So, because I think it's one of the things, you know, if we're looking at silver linings, one of the things that happened for me is that I get this, you know, I save at least 90 minutes to two hours a day in commuting, right? So, even in my product, like Stephanie had mentioned this earlier, that even if your productivity wanes because you're not feeling it one day, well, you didn't commute that day. So already you've saved two hours of time, right? Or 10 yeah. hours a week if you do all the math. And so I find I'm using that time to reconnect. Like both of my parents died when I was quite young, but the more when I was younger and then, but my grandmother is still alive and I hadn't talked to my grandmother since August of last year. And I've already talked to her three times, right? Because That's awesome. you can just, you just can connect with people now because, and you know, it, I think it's, it's partly quarantine, partly understanding what everybody's going through 
that the that, that it is a nice opportunity. So you're getting to reconnect with all of those high school people. And I was just wondering, like, I, I you know, sometimes when you have friends come over, you you, you kind of want them to go home, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that's their, but but when they're virtual, you can leave anytime. And I'm exactly. just wondering if if so, you don't really feel like they're wearing you down by just interacting with the same group. You actually have you're reconnecting with people who maybe you you lost touch with or at least had less interaction with. Is that right? Yeah. And I think it's also the openness of people to try new things because like my friends were never good at dancing, dancing or anything like that. And they weren't like workout gurus or anything, but just sort of trying these new activities because we're all so bored. We will like take any form of new way to interact, which has been really great for like sort of seeing different parts of your friendship with people and how that friendship can grow and how you can learn from each other. And on the topic of like reconnecting, I've also uh, neglected um, Skype calls with my grandmother who lives in Europe and it was her 77th birthday this week. So my sisters and I drew her a cute little picture and, and we had a long Skype conversation. So I can definitely relate to the ways in which I think we're talking to each other more. I think we're listening to each other more because we have to. It's not like we can sort of, when you're talking to somebody over the phone, you have to keep talking, right? So yeah, yeah I, think it's, I think it's an interesting time to learn how to grow your relationships with people. Perfect. And on that note, with relationships with people, Steph, you were telling us before we started the, the podcast about, you know, you're getting to do some work again and reconnect with babysitting and, and tell us what that does for you and why that's important. It's honestly so fun for me. Like I, I always say I have the best job literally in the whole world. I have been working with kids since I was 14 is when I started teaching piano. And I met one really nice family and I started teaching them and then they referred me to their neighbors and then I started teaching them and then the parents were like, are you interested in babysitting? And so I started babysitting and I've been working now with this family for over two years and it's just so much fun. Sometimes, you know, I have to do homework with the kids or piano, but a lot of the times it's like watch movies, play with marbles, do whatever, go outside, go swimming. And it's so much fun for me. I also cat sit. So for them, the same family, they have a, a cat that sometimes I, I watch and play with. So it's been so nice for me to be able to reconnect because I've been doing like virtual piano lessons, which are great, but it, it's not as fun as, you know, like playing soccer. Yeah, no, for sure. You, nothing, nothing will replace those hugs or those inter human interactions that we will hopefully all eventually get to. Where do you guys live in town? So Steph, where do you live in town? I live in Mississauga. Mississauga and Marina? I live in Etobicoke, but like okay. shallow Etobicoke, I like to call it. What is shallow Etobicoke? It's not too far because Etobicoke is a big place. It's like closer to Royal York Station. Oh, I see you're saying shallow. Okay, I get you. I thought it was like down by the water. I wasn't sure what you I meant, wish, but I guess you are. I wish. Because <laughs> that part, mimical, I think is really nice. Okay, so and, and just another question as the our guests get to know you a bit. How would you class yourself, an introvert or an extrovert? Marina, you go first. So I've taken, I don't know if you've heard of the Myers-Briggs test, and, you know, I know that there's some controversy around it, but I've taken it for fun a few times, and I get this, like, 50-50 introvert-extrovert score every time. So I think it just depends. I need time to recharge my batteries, but I love 
talking to people and learning about them and making new friends. So I think I'd say I'm more of an extrovert, but I still need my alone time. Sure. And I think that's true of everybody. There's no cut and dried. Stephanie, introvert or extrovert? I think it, it changes as I, I go through my life. I'm a super extroverted, high energy child. And then there's like that weird part during puberty where it's like, I don't know what to do. Total introvert, really awkward. And I feel like now as I'm going through university, I'm getting more comfortable in my environment. I do find myself being a little more extroverted and a little more willing to try new things and talk to new people. And I think generally, as long as, you know, the vibe is good in the room, I can be pretty extroverted. Yeah, I mean, and, and, I, and I think you're, that's cool, because you both come across, I, I, you, everyone comes, you're, you're obviously doing a podcast with me, so <laughs> some extent that, that, that appears extroverted, but it is a complicated question, because we do always need time to recharge. But I think one of the things I've noticed in my peer group, the people who are suffering the most are the ones who are really extroverted. And, and I, and we were this topic or what loosely theme we want to talk about mental wellness. So how do you, Marina, we will start with you. How do you, how do you cope? Like I, you've always given us, you've given some really cool things that you're working on, but somebody else kind of organized that for you, right? How do you cope personally in terms of just staying well? Oh gosh, this is a lifelong struggle for me. Personally, I, I struggle with generalized anxiety disorder, which I've had my whole life, but was only formally diagnosed when I was in grade nine. And this is a huge struggle for me, especially because there's obviously stigma and that kind of thing. But I think especially with regards to anxiety and depression, because they're emotions people can relate to, to an extent, they can minimize the impact this has on your everyday life, which can lead to like self-stigmatization of like, I'm fine, like I'm making excuses and all this negative self-talk. So I think I've had to explore so many coping strategies throughout my life. Currently though, since it's the theme is that we're all in quarantine, the things that have helped me the most are setting boundaries with my family. I have a big family, I have three little sisters. So I have a lock on my door and I sort of let people know that there's times when I don't want to be bothered and they initially resisted it, but they're starting to learn. And I think for me as well, the sun just impacts my mood so much. During the winters, I take vitamin D because actually a lot of people in Canada have a vitamin D deficiency that they don't know about. And you learned that in class, or maybe you didn't, but everybody else should have who's yes. listening to this podcast right now. Okay, yes. that's. I was thinking, I, I thought that maybe it was you that brought that up, that actually most people should be taking vitamin D supplements. And then not yes. just that, but there's during the winter, and I know the weather's improving now, which is awesome. But during the winter, I use a therapy light, which you use 20 minutes a day. And it seems silly at first just because it's like okay it's just a light right how is this going to fix the fact that it's so ugly outside but it really does boost your energy and your mood because we're sort of tricking our brain into thinking that the sun is out and also sleep hygiene I've realized it's it's not just what, I sleep. Did you just say sleep hygiene yes that's what it's called what does that mean uh, so that's the term that they've coined for just everything with regards to 
sleeping, sleeping at the correct or at the a consistent time every day. So it's not just about getting your eight to nine hours of sleep. It's also going to bed at a consistent time and waking up at a consistent time and also not looking at screens for about an hour before bed because the blue light does disrupt your melatonin release. So yeah, that's also serotonin. been huge. Serotonin, I think, just to correct that. Serotonin okay, yeah, release. yeah. Yeah, serotonin. So, yeah. And then also on that note, I, I really like listening to nature music before I go to sleep because I have a lot of racing thoughts and ideas. I found a really great app called Portal portal like portal okay yeah and they've recorded these great like nature sounds from different parts of the world and you can set an an alarm that wakes you up with like bird chirping on it you can set a sleep timer and it's free i'm not sure if they have it for android but i have an iphone so very cool i'm gonna come back to that steph what 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 uh what are you doing to sort of stay mentally well especially i mean you said you like sports so much and you can't sports for me were always a great way to do that like we can't do that so what are you what are you doing so i think in the beginning is where i struggled most and it's because whenever i would study i would never study in my house i would only study at school so that way my house could be more of a relaxing space also it was winter so you know as much as i want to go outside i really couldn't bring myself to go for a walk while i have to like wear my parka I'm just not a person who who deals with cold. And I think that now that it's a little bit like sunnier out and it's getting warmer, that I'm dealing a lot better with, you know, like my mental health and everything. So whether it's like, you know, I can sit inside and watch TV, but just, you know, going outside, sitting in my backyard in the sun and watching it uh, helps a little bit. As well as for me, I think one of the biggest things is staying productive because I've had those opportunities where I don't do homework for a week or two weeks. And I feel like those are the weeks I feel the worst versus when I start studying and I'm in a routine of like, okay, I wake up early and I have things to do. You're almost too busy to notice anything and you just kind of blast through your day. And I feel like at the end of the day, when it's finally time to relax, it's more rewarding than if I've kind of been like lazing around all day. So I think just giving myself tasks has been the biggest thing. And so I actually, you know, it's both interesting. I find this fascinating because one of the things that, you know, being a young person, it's all about self-discovery, right. And trying to figure out where your limits are and what you, where, where your passion lies. And, and it's kind of transformative, especially when you get to leave the home. But now you're really kind of stuck at home because it, you, you're being required to, to be more connected to those things that root you. And, I, and, and my partner is the exact same way that like home is a sanctuary for her. So when we went to create the home space and create a home office, she had to, she had to even completely isolate herself in a space that she wouldn't normally spend time in so that it wasn't contaminating the space. And, 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 it, and like, what did you do to, to, to make, to, to get over that sanction home is your sanctuary barrier stuff? I did the exact same thing. I put a desk in my basement. I never go in my basement. It's really small. It's just one room. It's kind of where we just put our ex, like we have like one exercise machine and some storage stuff. So I just put a desk there. When I'm down there, I don't like bring my phone. I only bring my laptop if I need it for notes. And I kind of just go there, do what I need to do and then leave. 
Very cool. And I like what you said earlier too, how you, you give yourself the freedom to have an off day. So I think that's really critical. And, and instead of integrating it on a day by day level, you integrate it over the course of a week, right? As a, right. Like, which is a, I, I think we said that in this part of the podcast before. I don't know if we said that just before. Yes. Balance over the normalize it over a week, as opposed to normalizing it out of five individual days. That's cool. Okay. So let's let, Marie, let's get back to you. Cause one of the things that you said, I thought that was interesting. Cause you, you literally, um, I think it's called SADS, isn't it? You explained, so you said anxiety yeah. was one of your thing, but that seasonal effects disorder is the one that you literally just listed. Cause my mom suffered from this for all of her mm-hmm. po- like postmenopausal age. Like she just, all of her life, it seemed, but she like this time of year was like the best time of year when she could go to the garden and do things. But she was crippled throughout the entire winter. Um, yeah. I mean, it's easy now, but what, what happens? How do, how do we cope with this over the next X months in terms of mental wellness? In terms of seasonal affective disorder? No, just in, I think the seasonal effect thing would be, it will be okay for the next few months. But yeah, the other stuff, fortunately, we are yeah. good for a few months. Yeah, but at the other stuff, how do, how, like, if an anxiety is something that gets to you or, or an anxious moment or things become create anxiety for you, is it the unknown? Like what's going to happen in the fall? Does that concern you or are you just going day by day? So I would say what's been interesting about this experience is that it's unified. It's in not in the most positive way, but it's unified everyone because we all are coping with uncertainty and anxiety and you know fears on a daily basis and as somebody who's had to deal with this my entire life like in a disordered way i've i've learned enough coping strategies that unfortunately we don't teach people because we either don't prioritize mental health or we stigmatize it but i feel like people are at a loss for coping strategies and i think that really sucks in term, and people are seeking them out now. So I think that's great. And this is a great opportunity to sort of normalize this and maybe, you know, give people some tools for their, you know, mental health toolbox. But with regards to anxiety, the way I like to define it is a fear of uncertainty um, and a sort of fear of not being in control of something. So we worry about things because we think we can prepare ourselves for them. Like if I'm before bed, if I'm stressing about a situation that might occur, if I confront someone with an issue, for example, and I like go through the scenario of how that might might work out. And then I'm sort of trying to process the emotions that would come with that. But really, you can't emotionally prepare yourself for anything. And that's kind of the unfortunate downfall of anxiety. But it makes you feel like you have some control over things. And I think... I think in terms of just uncertainty, I think really we kind of, I know this is a little bit uh, cynical, but we kind of convince ourselves that we have certainty in life because we have predictability and routine. But realistically speaking, you can't, you can't plan anything to the T. Things go in different directions than you expected. I mean, unfortunate things can happen to you or great things you could be promoted without knowing that's going to happen or, you know, something really terrible could happen in your life. And you, this is something that we tend to 
fool ourselves on a daily basis in normal society that we have some control over things over how our life where our life is going but now i think we're just being disillusioned about that and really faced with uncertainty head on because we could get sick from any virus at any time right like this isn't just a new thing that we can get sick you know from other people and that bad things can happen to us so i think it's just about sort of finding ways to take care of yourself because I think you can't pour from an empty cup and self-care is really important. So, you know, doing things that are... Hold on, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I want to come back to self-care. That's one of my questions I have coming up because I want both of your strategies. One of the things you just said, I think that's really important too, is the stigmas are all going away. A lot of them because we're all experiencing for the first time, almost everything together right? Like this is the cool, this is a cool thing. Like even the stigma, you know, oh, I'm working from home. Oh, so that means you're taking a day off. Like, like uh-huh. literally that was, that used to be the thing, right? People would mm-hmm. say that it would be, be like a way of getting out of work. Um, but now everyone's learning that, okay, I can be productive at home if I do certain things. And I also like this idea that we're all facing a lot of weird anxiety. I think some of us are facing it differently. And, and obviously the three of us are quite privileged to, to, you know, have internet and be able to communicate and yes. be healthy and, and, and where we're at. Um, but I think it's, everyone's being a lot more sympathetic and, and even walking down the street now in my neighborhood, Scarborough, people with social distance or physical distancing is the thing that they're doing, but they'll literally say hello. And that never happened when I walked by strangers in Toronto. That's before, awesome. Before this. And they'll, and they'll, I'll have my earphones in and they'll still say, Hey, how's it going? And it's, I think it's, and I'm like, it's going great. How are you? Like it's, it take uh, the first few times that I, that that acknowledgement happened and blew my mind, but I love this now. Do you think though that, and I, uh, do you guys, either of you have, and on Steph, we'll start with you. Do you have any sort of fears about what's going on or where we're at? Or is there something, or I guess it's a two part question. So what are your current fears moving forward? And then maybe what is your silver lining so far in all of this? So fears are definitely, you know, at what point are we going to be able to resume normal? Like, you know, if that's when we get a vaccine, if we get a vaccine, how long that takes. I really do love just going out and you know, like being in Toronto, being downtown, meeting a bunch of people, but you know, it's not really safe to sit in a classroom of 300 students until there is like a vaccine because it only takes one person to, you know, start this. So I I don't think that we're going to get to that point until there is one. So I think that's a a big fear of mine because I really do love like being in that like big city kind of exciting environment. But the silver lining is I actually really have loved video lectures that are pre-recorded or when professors um, record their lecture or like do live lectures and then upload them after class. I always find myself getting lost in lectures. I generally like I don't take a ton of notes and I think it's just really hard for me to pay attention. I'm I'm not really an auditory learner. So when I'm in a class and a professor is speaking, I might tune out or I'm I'm not going to get the full understanding, but when there's a video and I can pause it, replay it and take my notes while the video is paused, I don't feel rushed and I feel like my studying becomes a lot easier because I'm getting that quality learning while I'm seeing the material for the first time. Cool. Very cool. Maria, what's your, uh, what's your biggest fear moving forward in all of this? And then what's your silver lining so far? 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. Like, again, I think I'm privileged to have a family where there's no, you know, vulnerable population people living with me. So I don't have to, like, fear for the people in my immediate home. But I mean, of course, like, I fear for other people. I just, like, I feel a lot of empathy for the difficulties people are going through, whether that's having to live at home with a family that is an unhealthy dynamic, to live in people who are struggling with their mental health, people who can't get the care they need because the hospitals are overwhelmed. But in terms of my personal fears, I think I really enjoy in-person lectures because I love being able to talk to my prof and ask questions. And for online, it just feels a little bit more disconnected, even though I agree with Steph that I like being able to pause and play back and really like ha like hammer in those concepts. So I kind of fear there's a lot of really fun courses that I was excited to take next semester. And I fear that it won't be as enjoyable of a learning experience if it's online. So that's one of my, my current fears. And then also this is just a stress thing in general is getting into medical school is very hard. And I had a lot of extracurriculars planned for the summer in terms of volunteering with my baseball team and things like that. So I was quite stressed about still being able to, you know, do things that make an impact that I can, you know, use to show how passionate I am about certain topics um, in my applications next year. So I guess that's another point of uncertainty. But I am, on that note, I have definitely been looking for silver linings. I like that we have been given the time to engage in projects we've neglected for very long times. The ability to connect with people in new ways, the ability to appreciate how much we like spending time with other people and how much they mean to us. Another thing that I'm personally excited about is people's increased interest in public health because that's another field. I took an epidemiology course at Ryerson, ENH122 with Dr. Jordan Tustin. She's a very cool person. She's a field epidemiologist and she really inspired me to pursue epidemiology in a master's. And the frustrating thing about public health is it's all about raising awareness and making sure people are washing their hands properly, for example, or getting their flu shots and, you know, discouraging myths about vaccines and things like that. So you really need engagement from people. And I love that we can use this train of interest to promote public health. So my group, the group I'm a president of at Ryerson, it's called Public Health Outreach Group. We're going to be using this interest to promote public health knowledge on Instagram and digitally since we can't hold in-person events. Very cool. All right. So in the interest of time, I want to, I'm going to have you guys back because I was, the, I could have asked you questions all, all hours and hours and I, and I think that your perspective will grow as we go through this but maybe you could just give your peers and faculty because they'll be listening to this too maybe a word of encouragement moving forward or maybe a, a final thought from each of you so Steph do you want to go first sure I think that kind of to sum up you know it's always really scary when you're in a new environment and you have a new dynamic because I remember making the shift from high school to university was really daunting. And now taking the shift from university to online learning. But I, I think that we will adjust and we will grow and like you will 
discover things that you enjoy and then maybe can incorporate in your everyday life, you know, when things do start to open up. And there are plenty of like resources, whether it's like reaching out to friends or different things through Ryerson where you can kind of discuss things that you're not certain like about. A lot of, sorry, like doctors and um, things like that are doing online like consultations. So if you do need someone to talk to about like mental health, there are resources. So you're not alone. And I think I think it's just an adjustment that is the most uncomfortable part for people. And then everyone says that it takes six weeks to develop a habit. And so we're now you know, eight weeks into this. And so I think new habits are definitely forming. And I think what we're going to do throughout this summer is through this back and forth engagement that we have planned as the Sinai 9 project is to really try to help troubleshoot some of those things and make sure that we have all of our bases covered. So that's, that's really good advice. Rena, what piece of advice would you give your peers and or the Ryerson community? I think that especially if you've been on social media, I've seen a lot of people take this time to do things like learn how to bake bread or, you know, learn new hobbies and things like that. And you see a lot of very productive people on Instagram. And I think that there's this pressure. We live in like a high pressure society where we like to, you know, always be productive and we base our self-worth off of our accomplishments. And I think that's just not a stable way to find, you know, validation for yourself. I think that it's okay. It's a difficult time. It's okay to have those days that Stephanie was talking about when you can't do anything, you're going to have those days and just be kind to yourself. And remember that we're in this together because everyone is in some way going through a hard time. And yeah, just I would say definitely take care of yourself in the best ways you can. There's also a therapy through Inkblot through Ryerson. We, for students, there's a thousand dollars if you're opted into health insurance that covers counseling services. And I think this can benefit anybody, honestly, because we all have unproductive thinking patterns that we can change. And yeah, take this time to set some boundaries with your family as well, or people who are constantly calling you that you need a break from. That's that those are fantastic ideas. And I think you, you kind of alluded to this is that, you know, we're not in a competition with each other so much anymore, as we are all competing on the same team, which I think not and that's just not a cliche. I think it's one of those things that actually is making the environment that we live in a lot better. I agree. I definitely think we live in a very competitive society. <laughs> Stephanie, Marina, thank you for this. I really appreciate everything that you're going to do. And we're going to, like I said, engage in the future. And we will have you back on a podcast again soon. And I look forward to talking to you then. Okay, thank you. This Thanks was honestly so us. much fun. I had a great time. Me too. Thanks for having us, Brian. My pleasure. See you again Take soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. So as a takeaway, the conversation with Marina and Stephanie had lots of good ideas and ways that you can be more productive and not worry if you're not productive, but also try to find some sort of checks and balances. I think one of the things that I would encourage everybody is to try to build a team around you, whether it be virtual or in your own household, to try and find ways to be more productive, stay more focused, and or just create small boundaries that allow you to succeed. Whatever it takes, it's okay. Don't be afraid to be a scientist and do some experimentation to find out what's right for you. With that, 
hope you join us for our next podcast as we talk about other situations and people and show that we are in it together.